Go with me to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy. And uh, I can see that this is going to be like a series. And um, I started preparing for something else. But as I was preparing, I saw that the Lord wanted me to go a different direction. And it was building upon what... Uh, what um, he really wants me to minister about tonight. So 2 Timothy, and we're going to start in the... Um, actually, we're starting the first verse. 2 Timothy 2. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 2. And I'm reading from the King James. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou endure, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now, I don't know if you're aware or or not, but when you became born again, when you entered the family of God, when you joined the church, the universal church, the body of Christ, you also enlisted in the army of God. <laughs> Whether you knew it or realized it or not, you enlisted into the army of God. And throughout the Bible, you actually see military verbiage and imagery used, right? You see in Ephesians 6, where it talks about putting on the full armor of God, right? It talks about the helmet of salvation, it talks about the belt of truth, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It talks about the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. So what is this? This is military type imagery, right? You're getting a picture of somebody in an armor. And you also see scriptures that have uh, that type of verbiage in it, military verbiage of, of winning, of victory, right? Thanks be to God who gives me the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory, right? Because we're in a battle. We're up against something, right? And it talks about that our victory, that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, victory. And you see words like triumph, that thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. So we are always, so there is a battle. There is a battle going on. So why do we need to, why do we need to be armed? Because there is, there is a battle. Our battle, though, is not against flesh and, and blood, like the Bible says. It's not against people that we know. It's not against, you know, people at school or at work. It's not even against politicians, although sometimes it may seem that way. It's not against the flesh and blood. It's against the principalities, against the powers and the rulers of darkness and the heavenly places. It's against those things. It's not against flesh and blood. Okay. And then there's, there's battles, uh, you know, in the mental area, in the mind. You know, there's feelings and there's thoughts and there's these things that, you know, would, would try to exalt itself against the knowledge of God the Bible talks about. 
And so th basically, they, they, these thoughts and feelings come and try to make themselves to be more real, to be more true than what God's word has said. So we were in a battle. And so to be a true disciple, a true follower of Christ, you have to be strong. It takes a real man and a real woman to serve God. You are a real man and a real woman of God when you serve him. It takes strength, right? It takes strength to be a, a man of God. It takes strength to be a woman of God. Go with me to Acts 15. Christianity is not weak. I've heard it said before that, I forgot who said it, uh, one of our generals in the faith, he's, he's not alive today, but said Christianity is the strong man's religion. You need to be a person of strength. You need to be strong and have a soldier mentality if you're going to serve the Lord, if you're going to follow him. In Acts 15, and before I read, let me give you a little background real quick. There was a dispute at Antioch. Uh, that arose and the Jewish believers were teaching the Gentile converts that they had to be circumcised in order to be saved. Okay, so that you have the Jewish believers, they're teaching the Gentile believers who just got saved that you have to get circumcised uh, in order to be saved. Now, young people, if you don't know what that is, you can ask your folk parents later. But Paul and Barnabas went to Jerusalem to discuss the matter with the other apostles and leaders. And after the council at Jerusalem, uh, they, they made a decision. The council made a decision and they sent back Paul and Barnabas and other leaders, Barsabas. And I think that's how you say his name and Silas. And they went back to Antioch with the decision and they said this. In Acts 15, starting in verse 23, and they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren which are the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your soul, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to him we gave no such commandment. To whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Now get this, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a commendation of Paul and Barnabas of their heart, of their character. So they're sending this letter. They're saying, hey, these men, they're the real deal. They're not, you know, they're not just in it for themselves. They're not just in it for the fame. They're not just in it for admiration, for men's approval. Uh, this, is a, this is a commendation of who they are, that these people, Paul and Barnabas and these other leaders have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you read the previous chapters, you actually see that uh, they, Paul and Barnabas, they preached boldly in Antioch and Pisidia. And then when they were persecuted by the Jews, they went to Iconium. And then the unbelieving Jews there 
stirred up the other Gentiles, stirred up the Gentiles, and they planned to stone Paul and Barnabas. And so they left that city, and then they went to Derbe and, and Lystra and these other places and began to preach there. And they did some miracles. And if you recall, they did, uh, if, if you know a little bit of, uh, about this story, they, they, uh, this is where the man, the crippled man, crippled from his, mother womb, his mother's womb, the impotent man, was healed. So they did a miracle there. And then the Jews came there. I don't know, these, like Jews, these Jews were like following Paul. They came there and persuaded the Gentiles there to stone Paul. So they stoned Paul. And I don't know where Barnabas was at this time. <laughs> if it says they stoned Paul, they were preaching together. Somehow they stoned Paul. But after that, and so he was miraculously, you know, laying there. He was miraculously raised up. I believe he was raised up from the dead. If you look at the account of it, they were around him praying. And, and Paul is raised up. And it says right after that, that Paul and Barnabas go right back to these cities where they're being persecuted and they strengthen and confirm the souls of the disciples. They go back and preach where they just have been persecuted. Talking about people risking their lives, hazarding their lives. That's actually what the NIV says. It says, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. One translation says that Paul and Barnabas have put their lives in danger. They did it for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the world tries to paint this picture as Christians being like this weak group of people, this emotionally unstable group of people that need the comfort of religion, right? That we need the crutch of religion. I've heard it referred to that we need religion just to get by and because we're so unstable and we're so emotionally frail and weak. And, and, but I don't know about you, to stay with the word of God and to stay with truth year after year, no matter what the culture is doing, no matter if it's politically correct, no matter how unpopular it may become, that takes strength to do that. That takes a strong person to say, no matter what is going on around me, how many people may laugh at me, mock me, persecute me because I serve God and because I believe his word and I still believe the truth. That takes strength. I mean, anybody, anybody can just change what they believe every few months, every time the culture changes, every time it's no longer popular to believe this about the Bible and you switch and go with everybody else. Anybody can do that. Anybody can be one of those people that are not, you know, being persecuted and just no one saying anything bad about you because of your belief in Jesus and your stand for the truth. Anybody can be that way. That doesn't take any kind of strength. It takes a real man. It takes a real woman to be a, a, a woman of God, to be a man of God. It takes strength. You know, the Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God. It's not the weakness of God. This is the power of God into salvation. There is nothing weak about the gospel. There's nothing weak and wimpy and puny. There's nothing weak about Jesus. There's nothing weak about our God. He's a, he is a strong God. 
He is a strong Jesus. He's no wimpy weakling. He's a strong Jesus. Sometimes you see these images and, and pictures of Jesus and, you know, he looks kind of like he's, you know, holding little sheep in his hands and he looks like kind of wimpy like, you know, every time that you see these pictures and Jesus was compassionate. He was loving, but he was strong. He was a strong and he was smooth, too. He was smooth. You ever see sometimes the way he responded to look, I'm, I'm going to give you an example. Go with me to. Um, yeah. Jesus was smooth. There was no panic in Jesus. He, you never seen him panic. They try to put him in a, a bad situation, right? We think about the situation, the uh, scenario when the woman was caught in the act of adultery and they brought her to Jesus and they said, the law says she, she should be stoned. What do you say? He just bent down. You know, I sometimes see Jesus with shades on, with, with you know, sunshades, sunglasses. <laughs> he just bent down like, mm. and then he got, he rode in the sand a little bit. He's got a Judas without sin, cast the first stone. He didn't panic like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. He didn't get all uptight, nervous, you know, oh Lord, what do I do in this situation? Jesus was smooth. You know, when Jesus was betray, uh, betrayed by Judas, when he came to, to meet him in the garden, uh, you know, Peter said, I'll die with you, right? Peter pulled out his sword and cut Malchus's ear off. Malchus was the, the high priest servant. He cut his ear off, <laughs> right? Jesus had to put his ear back on. And then Jesus said, you know, put your, put your sword back. Don't you know that I can presently call down legions of angels? I can call down legions of angels right now. And they would save him. They would save him. Jesus was not afraid. He was not panicking. He was not scared. He was not shaking like, oh man, they're coming to get me. They're coming. He's coming to betray me. If Jesus wanted to, Jesus was a strong Jesus. He could have said, Father, please send the angels down. And they would have came. A legion is anywhere between three to 6,000. And he actually said, I think he said 12, 12 legions of angels. He could have caught down. So he could have caught somewhere between 36 thousand to 72,000 angels down and they would have rescued him but he was no wimp Jesus was not weak he's a strong Jesus you know when you have the authority to call angels down and you don't you're a you're that's strength that takes strength and he did it for us you know when Jesus was standing on trial and Pilate you know they brought accusation against him and he's standing before uh, 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 Pilate, and he just had been scourged. Pilate said, don't, don't speakest now, speakest thou not to me? And he said, don't you know that I have the power to crucify you? And I have the power to save you, to release you? And this is where Jesus put on his shades again. He was like, you can have no power at all unless it was given you of my father. He, you could, he, he didn't panic. He wasn't shaking and scared. He said, you could have no power at all unless it was given you of my father. Jesus was no weak. He was no weakling. He was strong. 
He was strong. He said, I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself and I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. And this commandment was given to me from my father. Jesus was a strong Jesus and Jesus is our commander in chief. He's our example. He's our commander in chief. Amen. Amen. He's a strong Jesus. Let's go back to second. Are you guys still at second Timothy? Uh, you got Acts. Go back to second Timothy. I want to get back to there. Jesus is our commander in chief and he's speaking through Paul. And he tells Paul to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardness. Now, that doesn't sound fun, right? Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, just to give you background on this, Timothy is dealing with persecution right now. He's dealing with a lot of persecution. Actually, when Paul wrote this, Paul is, uh, I believe in this time, he, he, he's in prison, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and this is, the, this is the last few years. Sorry, I'm, at the, I'm in the wrong spot. Second Timothy. But so Timothy is dealing with some persecution. He's also dealing with apostasy in the church. Apostasy, uh, people that were Christians, that the truth was revealed to them, but now they're rejecting the truth. And then he's also dealing with the clinching. That's uh, moral decay and, and deterioration. So he's dealing with all these things. And, Paul's, and so it's tough. And Paul's saying, be strong, right? He's saying, endure hardness. You're a soldier. Endure hardness as a good soldier. You know, we're, we're seeing this today right now. We're seeing people renouncing their faith. We're seeing moral deterioration. We're seeing all this. There's nothing new under the sun. Let's read in... In uh, chapter 3, I want to show you something in chapter 3. And this is the NIV. You know, it was happening then, and it's happening now. In 2 Timothy 3, it says, There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people, mm, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. See, these people have a form of godliness. Something, it, what does that mean? It sounds good. You know, it looks good on the outside. It, it seems right. It seems moral. It seems loving. It seems caring. You know, there's all these... Uh, all these words out there and all these phrases now that seem right and seem good. 
And this is how weaker Christians get deceived. This is how people that are babies and that have not formed, uh, uh, who have not come to a conclusion as to what the truth is, they get deceived. You know, and the, the enemy, he, he likes to prey on emotions, you know, things that uh, when people are unemotional, they're more vulnerable to deception. When people are emotional, they're more vulnerable to deception, you know. And so he likes to deceive people that are being emotional. And when something appeals to your wants and your needs and your desires, you could be open to deception. And when you haven't fully committed in your heart what the truth is, you're on a shaky ground. You're on an unstable ground. And the Bible says in verse 7, it says these, uh, let's see, um, I'll go with verse 6 again. They are the kind who worm their way into homes, gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. See that? Always learning. Say always learning always learning, ever learning. You see phrases like, we're, e we're supposed to evolve, right? And I'm a progressive thinker and progressiveness. And watch out for these phrases. And I, I've said these, these things before, but be careful for phrases like progressive thinking and progressive, because it's not, in and of itself, it's good to progress, right? It's good to progress that my faith this year today is stronger than it was a month ago or last year. I have, I have more faith that God is going to meet my needs, that he's going to provide for me, that he's going to heal me, that he loves me. I have a stronger faith today than I did last year this time. So I've progressed in my faith walk. I've progressed in my love walk. I'm more patient and more kind and more gentle today than I am you know, last year. That's good to progress in that. But people, when they're talking about progressing in doctrine and we maybe we have found some stuff about their culture that we didn't know about in the past or we found out some new things and either the Bible was inspired by God, it was God breathed or it wasn't. Everything in here applies to us today and is relevant to us today. There's nothing in here that we say, you know what, we've progressed beyond that. We've evolved to, you know, more uh, understanding of humanity and we have more knowledge. And, and because of our great knowledge now, we no longer need, need this in the Bible. We have evolved and we have progressed. Watch out. I mean, we're seeing this right now. I just saw a celebrity, you, you know, uh, uh, the thing is, you're, they, they want to hear other people's stories and other people's experiences and then to find out what the truth is. And so people go on seeking uh, journeys to seek the truth, you know, and then I, I just heard a celebrity saying, uh, you know, there's many roads to God. There's more than one way to paradise. And, and he was saying that there's, you know, just like there's 800 different cable channels 
you know, and people are watching different channels, but they're probably still getting entertained. And, and just like there's all these different channels, there's more than one route to heaven because other people that are watching different channels are getting entertained. So they're probably still going to make it to heaven. I'm like, huh? What, what does that mean? Where do you get that from? Where is that in the Bible? I mean, it's sad. It is very sad when you hear stuff like that. People that love the Lord are falling away because they're ever learning and not able to come to the knowledge of Jesus. Watch out. Be on guard for always thinking, oh, I got to hear more before I accept this as truth. No, I got to hear their story and their experience. And then, okay, no, I got to hear more. And I got to hear their story. And what about these people in this country? And what about these people over here? Their story could be different. What about this culture and this race and their skin color? Everybody has a story and always learning and always wanting to hear other people's experiences ever learning, always thinking you got to read every, every book and every theological book, every philosophy, how do you say that word, philosophical book or whatever, before you decide what the truth is. No, you need to come to a, a, a conclusion that this is the truth. And I believe this. And if I hear another experience or I hear another story and it doesn't line up with the truth, I reject it. That's where I get my armor out. And I say, no, no, that's where I put my faith shield. Anything that's going to try to weaken my faith, anything that's going to try to steal my faith, I say, no, nope, that does not line up with the word of God. Jesus said that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man goes to the Father except through me, right? No, there is no other there is no other name in heaven whereby men can be saved. There is no other way. There is no other way. The Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are on that path. But narrow is the way that leads to life. And there's few. There's very few that are on that path. And that is getting fewer and fewer. So talk about many roads to heaven. There's not many roads or channels or whatever you want to call it. If anything, there's many roads to eternal damnation. There's many roads to destruction. But there's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to eternal life. But we're on that road in here. We're on that road. We're on that road to eternal life. And we're not going to get off. We're not going to be swayed by other people's experiences and, and their stories to determine what the truth is. No, we know the truth and we're sticking with the truth. Now, when we hear other people's stories and they confirm what the word of God says, then it's a help to us. Then it's an encouragement. It's like, yes, yes, that's what I believe. I, that's true. The word of God is true. The word of God is so you got to watch this in every area of your life. Because people, you know, when it comes to different things like healing, you can hear people's experiences and people will make a, that's how religious doctrine starts where people see, see, God doesn't heal. They, they were believing God and they were trusting God and they weren't healed. Actually, you don't really know what a person was believing in their heart. You don't know what they were believing. The only they know what they were truly believing in their heart, not you can't know. 
Now, they could say, yes, I, because I've heard of people, you know, confessing the right things. I'm in faith and believe in God. But come out some years later that they actually were speaking doubt and preparing to die and things like that. And they weren't believing God. So you can't base what, the, what you believe based on people's experience. You have to say, no, the word of God says this. You know, it's God's will to heal people and it's God's will to save people. The Bible says it's not his will that any man perish. It's not his will that anyone goes to hell, but are people going to hell? Yeah, people are going to hell. Unfortunate. I mean, it's sad. People are going to hell. That doesn't make it God's will, though. Just because people are experiencing that doesn't mean it's God's will. We don't determine the will of God based on people's experiences, based on others' experiences. See, there's a lot of things about faith that we have to learn. Faith is based on what God told you. Faith is personal. Faith is you heard from God. God told me this. A lot of times you see that Jesus says it's according to your faith. So be it done unto you. It's according to their, and that's a completely another topic. But suffice it to say is that we don't base what we believe on people's experiences. We stick with the truth. And I haven't digressed because soldiers have an on guard mentality, right? Where soldiers are on guard. When we hear something that doesn't line up with the word of God, we say, uh, cut that off right away. Anything that you're believing God for, anything that tries to uh, put itself up against the knowledge of God, you cut it off right away. You don't want that. You don't even want to listen to it. You say, nope, that's not what the word of God says. I'm not listening to it. You cut it off. Soldiers are on guard. We have a soldier mentality. And back to 2 Timothy 3 or 2, he says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So soldiers must be able to endure some hardness. You know, when men and women join the army, they join the military, they need to understand, or they should understand, they better understand that they're not going on vacation, right? <laughs> they're not going to just be like at the beach every day. They're not going on vacation. They should understand that before they join the army. They're making a sacrifice to serve their country. They're making a sacrifice to put their agenda aside for the agenda of the country, to advance the agenda of a nation. And many Christians, I believe, are at this place right now where they need to make a decision. Whose agenda am I going to advance? Whose agenda am I going to go after? Am I going to seek? Am I going to go after my agenda, what I want, my kingdom, my things? Or am I going to go after the, uh, God's agenda, no matter how unpo unpopular it is, no matter how persecuted I may get, uh, or, uh, you know, no matter what happens, whose agenda am I going after? You know, the commander in chief, our commander in chief has an agenda. And we want to advance his Agenda. Turn with me to Matthew 10, 39. You know, what if your commander in chief asks you to do something you don't want to do? <laughs> you have to. That's why you got to make a decision beforehand. Whose agenda 
am I going to, going to do? You know, when someone decides to join the military, you know, and they station them somewhere that they don't know the language, they don't like the food, they can't just say, well, I'm out of here. I don't like this country. I don't know what they're saying. I don't like their, the food here. I'm out of here. I'm going somewhere else. No, if you do that, they consider you AWOL, right? You're AWOL. And you're not in the army's will, you could say it. You're not doing what the army and the agenda army. You, you now die to what you want to do, and you are now doing what the army tells you to do. Matthew 10, verse 39. I'm reading from the King James again. Jesus says this, He that finds his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. A lot of uh, scripture that a lot of Christians don't like to read. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of us Christians, we've had plans in our lives, right? I, I have had plans. I, I had plans and dreams and things that you want to do, right? Places you want to go, people you want to see, things you want to accomplish with your life. And God wants, don't get me wrong, God wants you to accomplish things. God's plan is, it is so that uh, he does have a good plan for you. And it's a plan that will fulfill you. But that's where we have to decide. Are we doing his plan or is it our plan, what we want? And sometimes, you know, you do these things, you accomplish. There's some things that you accomplish, right? You know, I, we live here in Florida now. And when we first moved here, we probably went to the beach uh, a little bit, you know, here and there. And now we we hardly go to the beach. It's like it's a chore now. You know, it's like we got to plan it. And so um, and it's fine. It's it's fine. It's no big deal. Um, but you can be on the beach and relaxing and stuff like that or a couple days on vacation. But after that, you're kind of like, man, I need to be doing something for the kingdom. I need to be doing something for God. It's like you get that this is you can only relax for so much you can only you look at the water for so long before it's like okay let's do something more fulfilling and more rewarding right and so these things no matter how much you accomplish things and dreams and there will still be a place in your life where you're like man there's something more there's something more that god has for me there's something more that god wants me to do you know but you won't find out what that more is until you're ready to lose your life, until you're ready to say, not what I want, Lord, but what you want. You know, and that takes more than lip service. I mean, how can the Lord know that you really mean that? How can the Lord really know and you know that you are really fully surrendering to him? You know, the Bible says that these people, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They say, Lord, I, I fully surrender. Use me, Lord. Use me any way you want, Lord. I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere that you want me to go. Well, how would, he, how would the Lord know that? He's going to ask you to do something. He's going to ask you to do something. 
And for most of us, you know, some people, a lot of Christians are, don't, won't even say that because they're scared. They're scared that the Lord might say, move to this third world country. <laughs> right? They're scared. They don't even want to ask the Lord. They don't even want to say, Lord, I fully surrender. Right? So they got one foot in, one foot out, because they don't want to be sent to a third world country where they might not have electricity and internet and all these things. They can't fathom that, you know, away from their family and stuff. But the Lord will ask you to do something. And oftentimes what I've found is that he'll use your leaders or whatever, and they'll ask you, uh, at least with me and us, can you come clean the church every week for a few hours for the next several years? They didn't say that, but it ended up being that. And you find out if you really believed all those things. You said, Lord, I'll do anything. I'll give you all, anything you want me to do. When you're vacuuming a big sanctuary and it's taking a couple hours and you got to do it week after week and week after week and you look around. At first, you do it gladly. You do it willingly, like, man, all right, I'm serving the Lord, okay. But then you start thinking, where is everybody else at? There's hundreds of people that go here. Why am I, why I got to do this? And man, you look, why these roles got to be so close to each other? And I can't vacuum this carpet like this. And, 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 and then you start thinking, you, then you got things you got to deal with, your pride. Don't they know I, 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 there's more in me than this? I'm more than a vacuumer and a church cleaner. You got your own pride you got to deal with, things that you got to deal with. And then, it, then it, but you will never find out these things if you don't stick with it, if you don't keep doing it. Because the first several times, the first, you know, several months, you're like, okay, yeah, this is, this is fine. I probably won't be doing this forever. But then when you're doing it a, another year and another year and another year, you find out if you really believe what you said in your heart. That, Lord, I'll do anything that you want me to do. Any way you want me to serve you, I'll do it. And then you have your own flesh and, that you have to deal with because you want to do something else. But you really, and, you, and, you wanna, and you're tempted to take shortcuts. Let me do it a different way. Uh, well, that's good enough. But you also were saying, Lord, I'll do whatever I do. I'll do it unto you and not as I'm doing it unto men, but I'll do it to you, Lord. Well, how can he know that? And how will you know that you're really going to do that? Unless something is asked of you that requires you to put your flesh under, that requires, see, the Bible to, it requires you talking about losing your life. Because you're thinking while you're doing these things that you don't want to do, that aren't glamorous and no one sees it, you're thinking, man, I could be doing something else right now. Man, I could be at home, like watching a movie. Really, is that more important? But, but when it's going on, see, when you look back, you think, how foolish was that? But these are very real thoughts and things that you have to deal with when you're dealing with that. But you know, you never get to those places. You never identify those things in your life that need to die, those things that need to be crucified. There's things in our life that need to be crucified. There's things in our life that we have to put the flesh under and say, no, no, I'm going to serve the Lord. No, I love the Lord and I will do anything for him. See, you don't realize some of the pride you have. You don't realize some of the flesh that you have to put under. 
You don't, you don't realize that, am I really doing this for God or am I doing it for men? Until you're doing something that he asks you to do that you don't want to do, that's uncomfortable, that's not fun, that's not glamorous. See, but what most Christians do is when it gets uncomfortable, when they're challenged, when they don't like something or agree with something, they go AWOL, they leave, they get out, they go somewhere greener pastures where it's more comfortable. And so they never found out that they even had those issues that they had to deal with because it never came out. They never stuck long, stayed long enough to find out, man, I got some pride that I need to. The Bible says, you know what the Bible says about pride? The Bible says he resists the proud, but he gives grace. He, the Bible says he gives more grace. You want more ability in your life? You want more grace? In James, it says he gives more grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. See, but you never find out that you have that pride until you stick long enough with something and realize, okay, this is this. I see what's going on here. I got to deal with this pride. I got to deal with this flesh because God cannot grace me to do the next thing as long as I'm in pride. He can't great. Yes, I am called to do this. I'm called to do that. And you're called to do something you know, else. And we're called to do great things. But we'll never get to those places. We'll never get to those things if we don't stick it through. If we don't have a soldier-like mentality and say, I'm going to stick with this for as long as I need to stick with it until the Lord tells me something else to do. And he'll do that with the next thing. And we've had things like that few times that you don't want to do that are uncomfortable but it teaches you something else again and you realize okay i gotta deal with this i gotta deal with this issue in my life because if i don't deal with it i can't get over here but i would have never found out about it if i would have just after the first month or two or three or four just said uh this this ain't for me i'm i'm out of here this i gotta i gotta call i got something else you never find any of that out if you jump up and quit and jump ship. And the Lord is looking for soldiers, people that say, I'm willing to lose my life. I'm willing to do something beyond myself. I'm willing to go. I, I'm willing to show the Lord, Lord, I really do love you. And I believe this is happening. This has always been happening, but it's happening even, even more right now. You know, the church for a long time, the, the modern church, has focused on growing the church in numbers. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to reach more people and have more people come to know the Lord and to be saved, but not at the expense of watering down the gospel. This is a strong man's gospel. And as I was preparing this, I, like I said, I thought I was going to go a different way and talk about something else. But the Lord is having me see that as we endeavor to plant this church and do what he says, we need to know who's in, who we're going to battle with. We need to know, and the Lord needs to know. It's not just about me, but the Lord wants people to know the truth. We can come and, you know, give a 
hip, hip, hooray message and be encouraged. And there will be times, believe me, I like to be encouraged. We need our faith encouraged. And we just got through talking about the goodness of God. So don't forget that. God is still good. But sometimes and a lot of times we need these sobering messages. We need to hear these messages, these truths that cause us to say, mm, man, I've been I've been a little you know, in my feelings about this, and I've let this bother me, little peddly things because I didn't agree with this and I didn't agree with that. You know, the, the thing about like a church and leaders and people of uh, pastors is that they're just like you and me. They have faults, they're people, right? They don't see everything, they don't know everything, and there's, you know, maybe blind spots and things that they don't quite see, and they're doing their best, but, and so you have grace, and you extend grace, and you say, oh, well, hey, I, I continue to pray for them. That's why you have to pray for your leaders, you know, pray for your leaders, pray for our nation, and pray for these, those that are in authority, pray for them, because there's things they don't see, and they need, they need the, the grace of God, and they need your prayers. But we want to get to the things that God has for us. I don't just want to stay a baby Christian. I don't know about you. I want to grow up. I want to get to everything that God has for us. I want to accomplish everything that God has for us. That has, every, not, what I'm saying us, I'm not just talking about uh, the months. I'm not just talking about my wife and I and my children. I'm talking about us in this room, I'm talking about the church, the people that he will bring to us, everybody that will connect with us, I want us to accomplish all that he has for us. He may have you leave and go do some another work and you another work, but we won't get there if we don't have a soldier-like mentality. If we don't realize I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. It's time to soldier up. I don't like doing this right now. I don't know how long I have to do this, but hey, I'm doing this for the Lord. What greater honor and greater privilege is it to, that, to serve the Lord? I get to serve the Lord. You know, when we get to heaven and the Lord asks us to do something, now there won't be no, nothing to clean in heaven, but if there was, I'm sure that we are not going to be like, uh, Lord, don't you know, uh, down on the earth, I, I, I led praise and worship. Uh, I sang, I preached, you know, I was a, a millionaire. I don't think we'll be saying anything. It's an honor to do anything that the Lord asks us to do. Anything that he asks us to do, it's an honor. We may not see it at first, but you'll look back and say, wow, I'm glad I stuck out. I, I stuck through with that because I learned some things. I learned that I needed to die to that flesh. I learned that I need to put that aside. I learned that, man, I really wasn't ready for what I thought I wanted to do. You don't know those things until you find out and stick with what God uh, is asking you to do. And so, there's no condemnation. You know, don't, don't, when you hear this, don't feel condemned. There's no, there's no condemnation. But this may be an answer as to why some things 
have not happened yet for you, why some things are the way they are. It could be an answer. It could be an answer. I believe it is. But there's no condemnation to those in Christ. The past is the past. It's what we're going to do today. It's what we're going to do going forward. We're going to have a soldier-like mentality and say, whatever God asked me to do, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for you, Lord. I'll be there. I'll go there. If you ask me to do this, I'll do that. If you, whatever you ask me to do. And it, it, it is fulfilling. I know there's times in my wife, Clarice and I's life, that he's asked us to do things, and I was sharing about the cleaning, but there's other things, too, that we thought, man, I, man, I don't know if I feel, you know, you go, he, he asks you to leave, move, and, and go here and, and hook up there, and there's times where you felt out of place, like really uncomfortable, right? You just felt like, I don't belong, or I'm not, so, what am I doing here? But when you stuck, we stuck with it and we just stayed with it and you realize that, okay, I, I see some things about me that I need to change, you know, but the, mo the moment, most people don't get to that point or to that place because the moment they feel a little uneasy or uncomfortable, they leave. But we're going to be soldiers and have a soldier mentality. And we find that we're more fulfilled when you are doing things to help people and you're not just doing what's comfortable to you, but when you actually grow and when you actually flourish and develop, now you're able to help other people. Now you're able to be a, a better help and a better example and a better encouragement because you've been there, you've gone through that and you know how to overcome it now. And that's more fulfilling than anything. That's more fulfilling than, you know, just putting on a movie for three hours and relaxing when you've been able to help somebody and change a life and see them get answers and see them get help. That's fulfilling and that's rewarding. And when Jesus says here, if you want to find your life, then you lose it. If you really want to find your life, if you really want to find the thing that's going to fulfill you, the thing that's going to bring you the greatest satisfaction, the thing that's going to bring you the greatest joy, the thing that's going to wake you up every morning so that you're motivated and inspired to go after everything God has for you, it's a thing that you die to. And you say, I die to myself and whatever you want. That's when you truly find your life. That's when you truly discover what you're called to do, and what God has this destined and designed for you to do. So the reward is in you finding your life. And there's rewards. There's rewards for serving the Lord. Now, don't get me wrong. God wants us to enjoy life. He, like I said, he, he wants you to go on a, a vacation, and he wants you to do these things. He wants you to relax. But more than that, we're down here for a mission. We're down here for kingdom business. We're, we're soldiers here, and we need to have a soldier mentality. Amen? We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.